This week on the Cattlemen U podcast, Ray Atkinson with the American Farm Bureau Federation joins us to talk about a very serious topic, mental health and agriculture. We all face so much stress in our lives, especially working in agriculture. There's droughts, cattle markets, natural disasters, isolation, burnout, and so much more. Ray is here to discuss why we need to open the door to having these tough conversations and the resources available for farmers and ranchers. We are excited to have Ray join us today on the podcast. Thanks for joining, Ray. Well, thank you for having me. Why don't you start and give us a little bit of background of yourself and your experience in agriculture? Sure. So I guess my experience in agriculture, I really, my family has uh, farms and, you know, members, family members in Virginia and Missouri who have farms. And I was always, as a kid, just loved going to the farm and, and understanding that what being a farmer was about. And I was really thrilled in, in 2016 when I was able to join Farm Bureau and help advocate for farmers and ranchers. For 12 years previous to that, I was uh, director of corporate communications from a lot of different roles at Pilgrim's Pride and finally a director of corporate communications. So uh, really most of my career has been in agriculture and I just have a real passion for, for farmers. How long have you been involved in your current role with Farm Bureau? In my role here as communications director, I was hired in 2016. So I've been here about five years or so. And in terms of my current role with, with Farm State of Mind and working on the mental health issues, you know, farmer mental health issues, really back in about 2017, we started looking at the issue of the opioid epidemic in rural America. And at that time, we sat down with Farmers National Farmers Union, our two organizations decided to work together to see what kind of impact we could have because at the time in, in 2016 there was this huge amount of opioid uh, overdose deaths in the U.S. and a lot of that was happening in farm country and people really thought it was a big city problem. They didn't really recognize the impact it was having on them on farm communities. So that was kind of our, our first work in the what I'd call sort of the social sciences field, which is obviously a little bit outside of Farm Bureau's bandwidth because we're not, a, we're not an addiction and treatment organization. We're not a mental health organization, but we are an advocacy organization and a grassroots organization, and we work to help farmers in whatever way we can. So I think that was really, back in 2017, was the seed for all of this uh, work that we're doing now with Farm State of Mind, and it really led us to a broader focus on mental health. And we also know that mental health and opioid or drug addiction is they're what they call co-indicators or codependent. So, for instance, a lot of people who have substance use disorder issues may also have mental health issues and vice versa. So it seemed like a really natural way to sort of broaden our focus as we started working in the area of mental health. Do you remember what mental health, that conversation looked like when it first, when you guys first got started compared to what it looks like today? Kind of, I think the answer to the question that I think you're asking is why we did our most recent survey. And I'm going to talk 
little more about those in depth, but you know, we did a survey at the very end of 2021 to try to answer that question to find out is stigma being reduced or we have an impact. And there was some, you know, some of the findings of that research were that people in farmers and people in rural areas are more comfortable talking about stress and mental health challenges. Stigma has decreased somewhat, but it's still a factor. So those are the kind of the kind of thing that we've learned. I just know that the conversation has changed a little bit since it first kind of came to light. And I just was curious how you think that conversation had evolved. So absolutely. I think the what we have been hearing, what we've been seeing, obviously stigma is a huge issue in farm country and rural areas because it's a barrier to people seeking help or treatment. And we've you know, seen that consistently in our, in our surveys and our research. But as far as when you ask someone for over the last couple of years, you'd say, well, how do we know? We're talking to experts and counselors and people that are really on the front lines of all this and say, well, how do we know we're having an impact? How do we know that stigma is being reduced? And they will point to things like there's a lot more programs. For instance, if you go to big ag group meetings or conventions or, or what have you, there's now most of the time you'll see some kind of programming around mental health. The, the USDA Agricultural Outlook Forum this week has some sessions on mental health. And, you know, several years ago, not too long ago, you just didn't see that very much. And also, I think that we're hearing anecdotally that people, farmers are more willing to talk about the issue where it was a lot more stigma around it and a lot more hesitancy to even open up. So I think we're, we're starting to normalize those conversations, which is really good. At our annual convention of AFBF um, annual convention this past January in Atlanta, we had a QPR training session. It's a suicide prevention session. And it was almost all farmers in that session. And it was really amazing to see how they all opened up and they all supported each other and they really shared. So I think those are some things that have changed over the years that you're seeing a lot more recently now. I completely agree. And I'm glad the conversation's coming to light. Why do you think it's so important to address mental health in agriculture specifically? We know that farmers are always under a lot of stress. Just the everyday business of farming is very stressful. There are a lot of factors outside your control, whether it's the weather or, you know, extreme weather events or trade issues, disruptions, ag labor issues, you know, lack of labor, on and on and on. And then you add on top of that the pandemic that's still going on and affecting things, supply chain, all those kind of issues. So it's just extremely stressful for farmers. And I think it's really important for them to understand Number one, it's okay to not be okay, as we say, that they're not the only, you know, everybody's dealing with stress. Everybody that's in farming is dealing with stress and they're not alone. And I think in addition to factors like isolation, like a lot of people that work on the farm are isolated. They work alone all day. And particularly at the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of the social gatherings or opportunities to get together with people were kind of shut down for a while. And I think that was really hard on folks. And I think Again, stigma is such a big issue. We've heard it anecdotally. We've talked to people and we've done three different national research surveys that have identified stigma as a real barrier to seeking help. People just aren't 
traditionally, particularly in farming communities, folks aren't that comfortable seeking help. The kind of the example that you hear is if your truck is parked outside a counselor's office in a small town, then everybody's going to know, you know, who it is and where you are, and you're going to be talking about it. And there's that sort of perception that it's not something that you want other people to know. So it's really, really important in agriculture specifically to address mental health and stress to let folks know, like I said, you're not alone. It's okay not to be okay. And really to know when to ask for help. What are some specific, unique aspects of the farm and ranch life that puts people more at risk? And I know we talked about stress, but are there other unique aspects? Absolutely. Isolation is one I just mentioned. Self-reliance. I mean, we know farmers are self-reliant. They're determined. They don't ask folks for help. For the most part, they kind of do it themselves, and they have a real determination. I've you know, even heard farmers saying, if I talk to somebody about what's weighing on me, what my problems are, then I feel like I'm complaining, so I'm not going to do that. And I think the things that make them good farmers, that, that self-reliance, that determination, that grit, also make it really difficult to ask for help. And I think another thing is the ag imperative is where you may be a second, third, fourth, fifth generation farmer. And all of a sudden things are, not all of a sudden, but over the years, you know, things have continued to be um, more and more challenging with all the issues that we mentioned. And it's that imperative of, I don't want to be the one to lose the farm. I don't lose my family for all these generations. And so no matter how bad things look sometimes um, from a business perspective and from stress perspective, just that imperative of not wanting to be the one to, to lose the farm. And we heard that, again, uh, pointing back to our survey in 2019, about the impacts of the rural economy on farmers' mental health. 87% of farmers and farm workers said that fear of losing the farm impacts farmers' mental health. So that was a big concern then. And also financial issues and farm or business problems. So again, all those things kind of wrapped up into one where it's just unique to to farmers and, and to people in the farming business. And I think that's really one of the challenges too, is making sure that when we point people to resources, that it's resources, that's counseling or whatever it may be, that they understand farm. It's really important, you know, if a farmer's talking to somebody who just doesn't understand what they do, they're spending more time explaining to them what they do instead of uh, having the, the person, you know, listen to what's really on their mind. And also, I think having counselors that understand farmers' problems and understand what they're going through makes them a lot more relevant and be able to give them a lot better counseling and advice. Absolutely. I agree with you. And I think that the other thing that I see in our ranching family is not really the distraction, but not the time to rest or to kind of disconnect. And so I think sometimes when you're on and you're working five, six, seven days a week, that burnout aspect really adds to farmers and ranchers. Yeah, that, that is definitely true because, as you know, farmers don't get a day off. Farmers are ranchers. The cows have to be milked and the cattle have to be fed, and et cetera, et cetera, and it doesn't rest. And so, they, yeah, there's this pressure to really always be on and to never let up. And I use the example, and it's not something that's original to me. I've heard other people say this, but it's like if, you're, if your farm equipment needs maintenance, if your tractor needs, uh, you know, maintenance, 
maintenance, whatever it may be, you're going to stop and fix that and then take care of that machine because that machine is very, very important to your farm. But what we're trying to, uh, we're hoping to, to help people understand is really think about it. You are the most important part of your farm, of your operation. Without, you know, the operator, the farm can't run. And so the operator, the, the farmer, the rancher really needs to be able to recognize when stress is just becoming too much and just taking that time to decompress. And that doesn't have to be, you know, a week off or something like that. Sometimes it can be just talking to somebody. And I think so much of what we work on a farm state of mind is, like I said, just trying to normalize those conversations and to let people know that it's okay to talk to other folks. And really, I think part of our strategy is to, uh, we know farmers help farmers. That's just what they do. I don't know how many stories I've seen. I'm sure you've seen of somebody who's in the hospital or, or sick or whatever, and the whole community comes out at harvest time and just you know harvest their field. We want to. We're seeing, I think, more of that in the mental health and stress area. Where I'm looking at uh, somebody and I'll say, "Hey, Cassie, you, know, you look like you're having a bad day. Can you tell me about it?" And sometimes that's really all it takes. You just kind of make yourself available and open and and get out of the way, and, and you'll be surprised how many times that the person will just say, "Yeah, you know, this is happening and that's happening." And it's just really weighing on me, you know, things that they wouldn't just volunteer. But a lot of times you can just be there for somebody. And that's all all, the thing that will make the most difference. The other thing that I have noticed, and it probably is not going to sound politically correct, but sometimes I think in farming and ranching, when the stress level increases, we find ourselves doing busy work to keep moving forward. And humans are designed to rest. And so to just be cautious of that or have someone who will call you out, my dad is very good at saying to us kids, does that need to be done today? Or are you just working to work? And if you're just working to work, go home, you have families at home. And so I think that's, you know, it's really easy to find ourselves busy because we know the work needs done and not allowing us to disconnect or to, you know, make it home in time for dinner when there actually is time. And so I think that is something that we just need to be more cautious of as an industry. Yeah, and that's a real important point that you're making because I think, you know, if you put that against the backdrop of almost nine in 10 farmers said the fear of losing the farm impacts their mental health. So if you have downtime and you're thinking in the back of your head, well, I just have to keep moving because if I don't do something, then I may be at risk of more financial problems or, or losing this farm. I mean, I think those things can all, you know, when you're idle, you think I should be doing something because I should be doing something to make things better but i guess really like you're saying it is doing something to make things better when you take the time to recharge then you're going to be more energized and uh and less stressed to be able to do the things that are really on the the top of your list yes i agree what are some of the signs if we are partners or family to someone who potentially has some you know mental health Um, situations going on. What are some of the signs, some of the things as a third party that we should be watching for, that we should be observing for? 
Well, I really want to mention the Farm State of Mind website that Farm Bureau has. It's farmstateofmind.org. And we have all this information there. And, I'm, you know, the, the warning signs, particularly this information comes from uh, New York FarmNet. And we, we like this information here and put it on the site because it's very, very farm specific. You know, we're dealing with farmers and ranchers. And like you said, people are under a lot of stress or, or dealing with um, mental health challenges. And so... It's really, it's things like change in routines or social activities, decline in the care of domestic animals, increase in farm accidents, decline in the appearance of the farmstead. So, you know, say you're going up to your, your neighbor's farm and you see the gates hang off or it doesn't look like it's been kept up. It could be a sign that they're struggling with, with stress, a lot of stress in the care of their animals as well. It's also things like decreased interest in activities or events. If you've got a friend who or neighbor who you normally see um, someplace every week, say for coffee or, you know, get together and all of a sudden they just don't show up and don't hear from them. That's a warning sign. Increase in illness or other chronic conditions, signs of stress in children, including struggles with school. So all of those things, and on our site, those are listed, and then there's a link to uh, New York Farm Net. There's a whole lot of information there, too. And I really want to point people to the Farm State of Mind website because it really is a good resource for not only knowing the warning signs, but ways to start conversations, things to do to help. You know, our research is on there. And also, while I'm on, you know, talking about the website, training. We have a training program. We worked with Farmers Union and Farm Credit and worked with uh, Michigan State University Extension and took some a curriculum that they had developed for, for USDA's FSA and developed that curriculum to be even more specific to farmers and ranchers. Uh, and that's, that training is free. It's on the website. You can click and register. And, you know, we were talking earlier about the importance of having somebody who understands a farmer so they don't just tell them, well, just quit farming and get a day job, you know, that's not, I mean, farming is folks' identity, so it's not something that you just start and stop like that or, or can tell somebody something like that. This training goes through a lot of detail for folks who deal with farmers and ranchers who interact with them on a, on a regular basis for being able to understand them, you know, folks like maybe lenders, people, local equipment dealers, suppliers, whoever it might be, and there's a lot of really good information even specific to to net farm income to help people understand what that means and help be able to direct people towards there may be a light at the end of the tunnel here. Maybe it doesn't mean you're going to lose your whole farm, but maybe you need to sell your, your dairy herd or maybe you need to do something differently and gives people that you know perspective to be able to uh, talk in farmer's terms about things. The website is a great resource, and I encourage everyone listening who just to even go over there and read the signs and just make sure that you are aware of what's happening, because oftentimes we feel as third party that we might have not noticed something we should have noticed. So even if you don't think that there's an issue in someone around you, just I encourage you to go look at the signs and keep up to date with some of those signs so that you can spot things at the first notice. Right. And one thing I, I did not mention that I definitely want to mention that's on that site is our directory. We have developed what I think is a very unique directory of resources in every state in the U.S. and Puerto Rico, as well as resources that are, that are national. And a lot of those, we tried to, we worked with the University of Georgia School of Social Work, and they would help us with a lot of research looking through all the resources all around the country because they're really... When we would try to find 
find it. But it was really hard to find. It was hard to, to just sort through everything that was out there. And so we've got a really easy to use resource directory. So, you know, for whatever state you're in, uh, let's say you're in Colorado, you just go there and click on Colorado and it'll bring up things like the Colorado Agricultural Addiction and Mental Health Program that's our Colorado Farm Bureau works on with um, a voucher program that folks can uh, get some free counseling, there's crisis services, farm and ranch, family stress and depression, checklist, things like that. It's a very specific, it's specific to your area and it's specific to farmers and ranchers where those resources are available. So that's something that once you know the warning signs and you maybe start a conversation where you think maybe maybe it's time for me to reach out and see if you know, get some get some help with, with all the stress I'm feeling. There's a lot of good resources there. I really would encourage people to, to check them out. So these are very challenging conversations to have with people. How do you start a conversation with someone that you think needs help? That's probably the one thing that people are most uncomfortable with is just starting conversations and they say, I don't know what to say. I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing. And that's really not the case. Even just talking to somebody about what you're seeing in them and being concerned about them is really kind of, it doesn't matter what you say as much as just that you do say it. I think we just need to keep talking about it and like I said, normalize the conversation, particularly when we hear people say, and I will say, you know, it's kind of the thing that we don't like to talk about, but even for farmer suicide, we know that's a real thing. And the QPR training that I mentioned at our convention that we had really teaches people how to, you know, how to help somebody. If you think there's somebody's in real crisis mode and you're really concerned about them, you know, there's things that you need to do to you know, keep them safe is one thing and just be there for them and be willing to, to, uh, to talk to them. But what we hear a lot of times is, well, I'm afraid if I say something, I, I'm really concerned about somebody's, you know, maybe want to harm themselves, but I'm afraid if I say something, that I'll just push them over the edge. And it's 100% untrue. Uh, all the, the folks who do this work consistently, the research shows and, and the, the real world, ex world experience shows, and that's not the case at all, that if you talk to somebody, then you know you can kind of help them step back from the edge. And a lot of times people just hearing somebody say, are you thinking about harming yourself or something? will really clarify that in their mind that, oh, man, I'm thinking, you know, I need to I need to stop here and think. And so we have some signs on our, on our website or steps to help someone in emotional pain, it says, from the National Institute of Mental Health. And number one is ask. Like I said, just ask somebody, how are you doing? Is anything okay with you today? And number two is be there. So you just want to listen. I think listening is the most important thing that we can do. Be there for somebody and listen. Number three is stay connected. Once you're, you've shown somebody that you care about them, you're concerned about them, is be there and stay connected with them. And number four is keep them safe. So particularly if you're if you're really worried about somebody, particularly if you think somebody is, like I said, crisis mode. The people, and we had a, a, an in-person training session at our annual convention in Austin a couple of years ago. Folks from uh, Michigan State University Extension, University 
University of Illinois, University of Madison, Wisconsin, folks that helped put together our training program. And one of the presenters said, he said, I keep the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number in my phone. And he said, if I'm talking to somebody and I sense, you know, I get a sense that there's something wrong and they're really hurting. He said, what I do is I say, I don't have them call my phone, but I give them their phone. You know, I ask them, so would you be willing to, you know, you've asked somebody, are you thinking of maybe harming yourself? And, and if they tell you that they are, you say, would you be willing to let me help you? Be willing to let me find you some help? And most of the time, people are going to say yes. And so he said, when they do, you say, well, here, I have a number. I want you to talk to somebody. You willing to talk to somebody? I'll stay right here with you. And um, he gives them a number, you know, for the National um, Suicide Prevention Lifeline and has them call and stays there. You know, you stay there with the person. So again, it's staying connected and keep them safe is all about don't leave somebody. If you see them in real crisis mode or even just under a lot of stress and just really having a bad day, you want to be there and stay connected with them and, and do what you can to help. And then number five in that list, of course, is help them connect, which is what I was just, uh, just referring to. It's help them connect to resources, whether you know they just need someone to uh, maybe talk to or pull down some resources that they can read through to help them understand sort of the sources of their stress and where it's coming from, which will help them deal with it. There's just a lot of ways that you can help. I watched a sales training video on TikTok last night, and it actually made me think of what you were talking about. As you were talking, I just was replaying this video. And so I'm going to give you the scenario. And I just I just think it would help us in this conversation. So it was two guys. And the first guy told the other guy, walk eight steps with me. So they walked eight steps. And then he turned around and he said, walk four more back and then stand there. And the other guy never asked any questions. He just walked right alongside the guy, turned around, walked you know four steps back. And then the guy turned to face him and he said, put up your fists. And he started to push on the guy's fists and the guy pushed back and he said when people feel like we are walking step by step with them a lot of times they don't question their actions internally they might be thinking what am I doing but they feel more comfortable when someone's walking alongside them but the moment we turn and he said I never even told him to push against me But when I started to push on him, he started to push back on me. And when you were talking about just listening and being there for someone and, you know, having them make the phone call while you were right there alongside them, it just made me think of that. What impact can we have when we walk alongside people? And how could that change the way we approach people and the resources we have in this area? Yes, that's absolutely true. Like I say, the most important thing is just be there. Just letting somebody know that you're there for them and be well on the list. And, you know, you're going to, a lot of times, you know, it may not be somebody in severe crisis mode, whether you're thinking of, of hurting yourself or, or something like that. But it can be just somebody that's under a lot of stress and there's all kinds of resources. I mean, obviously, the, the suicide prevention lifeline is kind of the top of the pyramid in terms of somebody's really in crisis. There's a lot of other things. Like I mentioned, mentioned the uh, the directory have just really fast you can go in there and click on resources and just find all kinds of resources for whatever kind of emotional state somebody's in even the cdc website has information on mental health basics and the types of mental health and stress issues you might face there's a national veterans crisis line there's a lot of different here's one mental health and the, and the impact on wellness for farm families from AgriSafe, which is a great organization. So I think there's yes, just being there and walking alongside somebody, that's a great way to, to think of it. 
And just really important to go to this website, farmstateofmind.org, find all these resources. I mean, you really have all the tools there. It, knowing the warning signs, which is really important, knowing how to start a conversation, knowing what you can do to help, and then those resources that are really easy to find right there. The last thing I want to ask you about is the Rural Resistance Training Program. A right. little bit about what that program is, what the training process, and then if we have listeners who want to get involved, how do they get involved? So rural, rural resilience training is, that was the program that I was mentioning that we worked with uh, Farmers Union and Farm Credit, you know, really around the idea. I think we kind of came up with that rural resilience because it's sort of positive way to think about the, the strength and resilience of farmers and how, again, not, not so much of how b- being tough and doing it all yourself, but just being really resilient and being really, that's what we want them to be. We want this training to help bring that out in people and help them help themselves, you know. So, like I said, this is a program that the USDA had developed for FSA staff. And so we work with Michigan State University Extension and University of Illinois. Really helps people understand, identify, cope with stress. And it's for people, primarily for people who work with farmers or ranchers, interact with them on a daily basis or any basis. Anybody can take this training. It's open. It's free. It's about a four and a half, five hour course. So very much in detail. You don't have to go through the whole thing at once. I mean, I took it myself and I did an hour at a time or whatever, Um, but it gives you a lot of resources to understand, you know, the sources of stress, where stress is coming from when you see somebody that's that's under stress and to really be able to, particularly a farmer or a rancher, to understand where that stress is coming from, uh, to identify communication strategies that will be effective in helping them deal with the stress. It's also around helping reduce the stigma around mental health and, and learning the warning signs of stress and suicide. So there's a lot in there and it's a really, really good resource. I would encourage everyone to check it out. Like I said, it's free and it's a lot of good information. We will link to that program in the show notes. I think it's really important for us to be our own advocates in rural America and um, to keep things like this on the table for conversations and our training up to speed so we can serve people the best. Ray, this has been a great conversation, not a conversation that we necessarily want to be having, but a conversation that is obviously super important and an issue that we just are seeing on a daily basis in rural America. Where is the best place for people to connect with you or some resources that you have? Well, I think, the, like I said, the Farm State of Mind website, everything that I talked about is right there. It's farmstateofmind.org. Uh, we have there our directory of mental health resources um, by state. We have information on how to identify warning signs, how to start a conversation, things to do to help, the research, the three different uh, morning consult research polls that we did to understand more about the impacts of the economy and particularly the, we did one on the COVID impacts of the pandemic on farmers as well as one we just did recently uh, to kind of track trends in, in stigma and then the, the training is also on there and there's also there's a, an email on there people can email if they want to contact the folks we have a, a working group here at Farm Bureau that works on the Farm State of Mind campaign and that's listed right there a couple times on my website but it's just farmstateofmind at fb.org so certainly people can reach out if they need to know more information or things that we can help with uh, we're always here and we're glad to help 
Perfect. Thank you so much for joining. We will put all of those resources in the show notes. And we just really applaud your work in this area and making sure that we are all aware and we all have the tools in our tool belt to help deal with this issue. Well, thank you so much for having me on. And for, as you said, these aren't conversations or things we always are comfortable talking about, but it is very, very important that we do. And again, I think if the one thing that we can all do, you don't have to be a counselor, you don't have to be an expert, is just to normalize this conversation around mental health and stress and let people know that it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to talk. Not only not only is it okay to talk to people, but it's, it's you need to talk to people. Um, you need to have, you know, people you can trust and people that care about you. They're going to want to be, they're going to be there for you. And uh, so I think if we can just normalize those conversations and get people more and more comfortable as I think they're becoming, then, uh, then I think we'll be doing a lot to really help farmers and ranchers uh, where they are. I agree. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Ray. Um, we look forward to this conversation becoming more common and um, hopefully not an issue in rural America in the next few years. Well, thank you so much. And uh, thanks again for having me on. Thank you for bringing attention to this, to this important issue. Absolutely. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Kettleman U podcast. Don't forget to follow and subscribe at kettlemanulive.com slash podcast so you never miss an episode. And remember, the grass is greener where you water it.